الحمد لله وحده والصلاه والسلام على من لا نبي بعد ما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وذكر في النذكر تنفر المؤمنين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وسيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين on tonight's uh, program inshallah i will use this talk to answer two questions that were posed to me recently and i will use the answer to these two questions inshallah to clarify and explain uh, certain concepts pertaining to the soul now many times in our talks we generally talk about tazkiyah islah means generally talk about how to purify our heart fill it with love for allah taala how to become steadfast in our ibadat how to fight our nafs how to draw closer to allah taala but because historically there has also been a very important effort of deen known as tasawwuf where mashayikh shuh masters of the heart and masters of training people and awliyaullah beloved friends of allah taala used to guide others on this path of tazkiyah and while guiding others sometimes they would write certain things or say certain things and it's very important that we correctly understand their teachings because in any brain if any one of us misunderstands any of the teachings of any of the ulama whether it's mufassirin muhaddithin fuqaha usulin the scholars of quran commentary or hadith explanation or the islamic law or if we misunderstand the shaykh of tasawwuf the masters of spirituality we can become misguided and we might even go astray so first discussion this pertains to the additional azkar and by additional i mean that there are some azkar some ways of remembering allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some ways of training your heart to remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some ways of inspiring your heart through reciting sentences repeatedly on the tongue to inspire your heart to remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that in the exact method and form in which they are taught they are not mentioned in the exact method and form in the quran and sunnah so the first thing about this is that in our entire deen all the branches of learning of deen it is permissible to design and adopt new methods to learn established content that is mentioned in our deen so for example all the different methods of tafsir and hadith and the different methods that the jurists came to derive islamic law or the different methods that the shaykh came to inspire or fill somebody's heart with the zikr of allah subhanahu the methods themselves do not necessarily have to be found in the textual sources of deen yani the quran and hadith they must however not be against any shar'i teaching and they must be inspired and derived from the content of the textual sources of deen all right but there's more to it than that so a person who is following the path of the sawwuf has adopted a shaykh has adopted a tariqat for them they have to understand that these additional azkar have a particular role they should not be overemphasized at the same time their role should not be understated and this is what is called intidal and this is one of the balance and equilibrium and this is one of the special features of the way of the soul of the master shaykh 
of Dioband that they had Itadam. What that means is number one is that primary emphasis should be placed on the primary ibadat and atkar, such as recitation of Quran, sunnah duas, reciting istighfar, reciting salawat, salutations and blessings on Sayyidina reciting the different sentences, phrases, alimat, zikr, with the tongue, the kandasani, that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu such as subhanallah, etc., and praying extra salah, fasting extra, if all these different things which the mashayikh they call mujadat al-nafs and mukhalifat al-nafs. Then, when a person is doing at least a core, a minimum amount, a baseline amount of those core foundational asghar, then they can add these extra additional asghar. So one example, and different mashayikh in different ways, so one example, was the additional asghar derived and designed and inspired actually by Allah SWT to Shah Bahaudin Akshuban Bukhari So the first of that is called the zikr kalbi that a person makes niyyah that their spiritual heart, the heart of their ruh, which in Quran Allah Ta'ala has called in Quranic Arabic talb, the spiritual heart, the heart of the ruh, is making zikr of Allah Ta'ala's name that the Talib is pronouncing Allah, Allah, Allah. This particular zikr is extremely embedded in the Qur'an al-Karim and the Sunnah because there are many ayat in Qur'an and many hadith in the Sunnah where zikr and Talib have come in the same sentence. So it's quite clear that there's remembrance of Allah from the heart. And similarly, there are many ayat in Qur'an and hadith in which zikr and the name of Allah have come together, so there's clearly a concept of remembering Allah's name. So silently remembering the name of Allah from the heart is a perfect example of an additional zikr that is not mentioned exactly with that exact method, but is deeply derived and embedded in the text of the Quran and Hadith. Then what happened was, and after him uh, all of the Akabar Shayukh of Dioband including Hajim Dagla Maharajim Makkari Mulatana Sheikh Rashid Ahmed Mulatana Sheikh Rashid Lithanvir Mulatana identified other parts of a person's batin other parts of a person's inner immaterial non-physical spiritual self or aspect that a person could focus on to make zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such as, for example, ruh. So that is also a word in Quran al-Kareem. And a person can make the niyyah intention that their ruh is making zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name as if their ruh is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. All right. Then what happened was that some mashayikh, through their own personal experience, and secondly, by training and guiding others, which is a lot of experience. So one data point is one's own experience, and many data points is the experience of guiding many students, and some of them, mashallah, had thousands and thousands of students. They discovered, and this is not with absolute certainty, but with a high level of probability, that making the zikr of Allah's name from these different aspects 
of our spiritual self, our button, our inner self, could sometimes help a person purify themselves from sin. Now, this is a concept that should not be overstated or misunderstood, and this has to be understood in context. As an example, it was their personal experience and their experience guiding thousands of students and then many Mishai, dozens of Mishai guiding thousands of students. So you can really literally talk about hundreds of thousands of data points that when a person made the zikr of Allah Ta'ala's blessed name from their talb, that helped to cure the unlawful, the urge and desire of unlawful desire, of lust, of shahwa. All right. Now, if you don't understand what this means, we might misunderstand it. What it does not mean, but an incorrect understanding, is that all the person needs to do after this discovery of the Mashaif, all the person needs to do to cure themselves of these urges and impulses of unlawful lust is simply to do zikr-e-kalbi, to make zikr of Allah's name on the kalb. That's not what they meant. Rather, what they meant was, remember, go back to the word I used in the beginning, additional. So what they meant was that if a person is following all of the teachings of the Qur'an, Sunnah, and Shia as transmitted to the Nusus textual sources of deen to combat their lust, such as they lower their gaze, such as they never allow themselves to be alone with a ghair mahram, with a member of the opposite gender who is not uh, family, let's just say simply, right? They don't look at impermissible things. They don't read novels, whether they're racy romantic novels or even a standard novel that on two pages out of 200 has some scene of intimacy. They don't expose themselves to any type of reading or seeing or media that can put the feelings of lust on their heart. All of that is part of lowering the case. If they, if they take some of the sunnah measures, they have some extra fast like Sayyidah Rasulullah famously told one sahabi that if you're unable to make nikah and you feel this urge and impulse of desire and lust in your heart, you must fast additionally. If they're also doing that, etc., etc., if they're making all those efforts and then obviously they're not committing other sins, they're regular in their salah, in the salat al-tanha and al-fashai wal-munkar, that indeed the prescribed prayer can prevent a person from committing crude and lewd, immodest and shameful acts, repudiated acts, right? If they're doing all of that, then obviously that will be successful. And 95% of their success in combating the lust will lie in that. What happens, however, is that after all of that effort, Sometimes there's a slight trace element, few last specks, atoms, lingering, latent traces, not outwardly, inside, of lust. For that last final polish, the Mashaikh meant that, that for that last final polish, by making a lot of zikr of Allah's name from the heart, the heart will be full with so much love for Allah SWT that finally the last final traces of lust could go away. From where? From the heart. 
but they would remain where? In the nafs. Fa'alhamaha fujuraha wa taqwaha. All right? So when they're not in the kalm, they won't come in the mind, and then they won't come in the jawareh, means they will not manifest themselves in acts of the limbs and organs. So this is what it meant. That it's very beneficial for a last final touch. So what does that mean? That 95 or 97 or however you want to phrase it, percent is going to be through simply following the Quran, Sunnah, and Shreya, staying away from sin, making mujadat al-nafs, mukhalafat al-nafs. And after that, end game, final stage, zikr kalbi will be beneficial for erasing those last final traces. What it does not mean is that not all a person has to do is do muraqabah or zikr kalbi for hours a day and they'll be cured of lust. No, because that's not what it means. What it does not mean is that if a person does hundreds and thousands and millions of hours of zikr kalbi, now they can be alone with women, or now they can look at impermissible things, or now they can read racy romantic stories and not be affected. No, it doesn't mean that. All right? So it should be very clear what it means. It should be clear what it does not mean. At the same time, it should also be remembered that this was just a side point about, the, like a side benefit, a beneficial side effect, or a side extra benefit of doing zikr of Allah's name from the Talb. The real purpose of doing zikr of Allah's name from the Talb was so that the person becomes zakir, so the person would remember Allah Ta'ala more. That is very beneficial in staying away from all sin. The more one remembers Allah, the more one stays away from sin. The purpose of giving the zikr was in order to, like we mentioned earlier, to fill the heart with love for Allah Spantan. So we should not lose track of the real goal and objective and then overemphasize and overstate the side benefit and then zoom in on that side benefit and think that that side benefit, the method of zikr kalbi to reach that side benefit somehow overrules or outweighs the entire rest of the textual tradition of our deen. Alright? That said, sometimes going back to the primary purpose is that zikr of Allah's name from the heart sometimes, many times in a person can initially produce a feeling of ishq or jazba or love or passion for Allah's And many times that's why zikr al-kalbi was especially, especially the first lesson of doing zikr of Allah's name silently from the full spiritual heart was prescribed at the outside and at the beginning to seekers because many of the seekers at the beginning they complain that they're lazy in ibadah, they feel apathy, they're disinterested, they don't feel passion, they've lost that feeling. So if they made this mujahada, made this effort to sit down and use their willpower and just make themselves sit and silently recite Allah's name a few thousands of times a day. If they can't do that 1,000 times a day, they came to that 500 times a day, but they made some effort and they made it regularly and they increased it, then this zikr was found very beneficial in increasing their feelings for Allah and their passion for deen. So then actually the zikr kalbi was a gateway and was a key and a portal for them to finally once and for all become regular in their five salah, to become regular in recitation of Qur'an, to become regular in istighfar, salawat, tasbihat, du'as, etc., etc. Yani the core 
foundational baseline ibadat and azkar, acts of worship and remembrance that are mentioned in our deen. All right? Okay. Second clarification. Second clarification is that now all the way at the other end is that what is the end? Let's say somebody does zikr for dozens of years, 20, 30, 40 years, and they do it for one, two, three hours a day. So sometimes you will again find that different mashayikh and ulama would mention different terms, such as maybe they got nisbah, or they got fanaiyah, and they got a special heartfelt connection with Allah Taala. They got wilaya, they became the beloved friend of Allah Taala. They got qurb, they got the intimate nearness of Allah Taala. They got ma'afa. They got a special understanding and intimate knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and, and, and these words are in Quran al-Kareem. The word muqarrabun is in Quran al-Kareem. The word awliya is in Quran al-Kareem. Right? So we know these states exist. We know people exist who possess these states. And that will continue till the end of time. All right. Now, that is all correct. Mistake. Mistake is that only zikr will lead to that. No, that's not possible. Mistake that if I do so much zikr and reach that level of wilaya, korub, etc., then I can be slack in sharia. No, that's not correct. Another very important mistake, I mean another mistake that's very important to understand, if I make a lot of zikr and reach that wilaya, then I'm no longer able to sin. No, that's called being mafum, to be absolutely free of the possibility to sin, that is called mafum isma in Arabic. It means the absolute immaculate purity of the heart and nafs both, such that even the hypothetical, theoretical possibility of sin is completely, absolutely, definitively, certainly extinguished and removed. That only exists for the anbiya, for the prophets and messengers, the anbiya and mursaleen, alayhim as-salam ajma'in. That does not exist for any non-prophetic human being. There is no amount of zikr, no amount of Sharia compliance, no amount of Sharia compliance plus sunnah plus zikr that can make a person reach a state like that that they don't feel any, they, have, they no longer have the ability to sin in any way whatsoever. And second, second mistake is if they reach that state and if they break the Sharia, they won't fall from their maqam or wilaya. So always remember, any state, any daraja, any maqam, any rank, in Allah Ta'ala's regard, Allah knows best who has it. We will not be able to identify ourselves who has it. We cannot even identify by our own self who has it. But whatever state, maqam, rank a person has Allah due to their avoidance of sin, compliance of sharia, practicing zikr, if that person decides to voluntarily, intentionally decides to sin and doesn't make absolute truth about afterwards, they will lose that rank. All the zikr in the world, all the sunnah in the world does not guarantee the hifadah of that rank. One of the best examples and best ways we can learn understand this concept is if you read about the lies of Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala on Ajmain, you read about the life stories and incidents of the greatest awliya of the tabi'in and tabai tabi'in. 
You need the greatest awliya of the ummah. You will find in the overwhelming majority of them, towards the end of their life, when they were in their 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, when they had lived entire lifetimes on Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia, entire lifetimes of avoidance of sin, entire lifetimes of ibadat and azkar, in the amount of which, and the depth of which, and the degree of which, and the concentration of which cannot be found by anyone alive on earth today. Even then, you will see their fear, their great fear of they might lose it, they might fall into sin, that the nafs might trick them, that the nafs might tempt them, that the dunya may attract them, the shaitan may distract them. And you find this, and this is the way they passed away from this world. And this is why Allah SWT said in Quran al-Karim, and Imam Ghazayr al-Mulatala famous and brilliantly commented upon this in Ahiyah al-Mudin, what the Allah SWT said, إِنَّمَا يَكْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ إِبَادِهُ الْلَمَاءِ that those who truly know Allah SWT, ulama, arifin, awliyaullah, siddiqeen, muqallabeen, they are the ones who have the most fear of Allah SWT. So there's no concept like that. Right? Sometimes in certain ta'bir, ta'bir means sometimes in a certain expression, like sometimes it might be in poetry, sometimes it might be in the madness of some sheikh, when they're trying to express a concept, sometimes in a regular bayan, it's a phenomenon of human speech, of human narration, whether it's storytelling, poetry, discourse, exposition, lecture, that sometimes when a person very passionately makes a point, and the height of passion, they make that point so emphatically, so strongly, that the listener might think that the point is absolute. Whereas there's nothing in deen that is absolute except the Quran and Sunnah. Everything has to be put back in that context. So, for example, you might find, you will find, I mean, you, you shouldn't look for these things, but they exist. You will find sentences where Messiah says that, okay, if a person had nisbat with Allah SWT, all nisyan, they will never be able to forget Allah ever again. What it means is that if they remain on that feeling, if they reach a level where they're dhakirin, Allah SWT mentioned this Quran, with dhakirin Allah kathira with dhakirat, there's such men believers who remember Allah Ta'ala abundantly, and women believers who remember Allah Ta'ala abundantly. So yes, they won't forget Allah Taala. But it's not that once they touch that state, once they initially arrive at that state, in of itself the arrival is a guarantee of istiqamah. No. If that istiqamah, then all of that avoidance of sin, all of that tawbah, all of the taqwa, all of the haya, all of the akhlaq, all of the amal, all of the ibadat, all of the azkar, that enabled them to reach that state of remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. Plus, they continue to have Allah Ta'ala's fuzzle and inaya and karam and tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala's gracious, generous favor upon them to allow him to remember him, which there is no guarantee anybody ever has of that. Because Allah Ta'ala's al-ghani al-mustaghni, Allah Ta'ala is absolutely free from ever guaranteeing his love and mercy to someone, right? Uh, that's one of the meanings of being Al-Ghanin al-Mustaghni. If Allah Ta'ala chooses to continue them with His favor, then yes, once they reach that state that they never forget Allah, they will never forget Him again. But there's no way of knowing that. There's no guarantee of that. But sometimes, yes, Mashaikli theoretically mentioned this state. Then, another concept was that the only person who is qualified to be a sheikh is a person who has reached this extreme level of belaya 
such that not even for a fraction of a second ever in any day or any week or any month or any year do they forget Allah Subhanahu for one moment. Now, at that standard, uh, you will not be able to find any shaykh like that alive today, right? And that is not required. That might be required to be the most beloved wali of Allah Ta'ala, the most mukarrab. But that is not required to simply guide people on the Quran and Sunnah and help people leave sin and to train and teach people dhikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Alright? So to expect this, and this is by some of the shuyukh, the mutakhireen means the later period, shuyukh of the later period would write, that if you insist that you will only accept a shaykh who is at the level of Shamsid Tabriz, then you must first show yourself to be Rumi that you are entitled to such a shaykh. If you insist that you will only accept a shaykh who is at the level of Shaykh Wajib Baki Billah, then you must show yourself that you are yourself at the level of Amrit Hindi. Alright? So, Wakunu Ma Sadiqeen, Allah SWT is simply saying, be with the ones who are true. They're truly trying and they're truly achieving to some state. Uh, we cannot have these very romantic, ideal, fancy notions of the Thawaf that, you know, we are going to find the absolute Waliya Kamil, Murshid Kamil. And what happens is that when you raise someone up to such an extreme, obviously there is love, respect, deference, all of that in Deen is acceptable. But when you insist on identifying a polar, absolute extreme of a Waliya Kamil, Insani Kamil, uh, then a lot of times that leads into uh, unquestioning uh, loyalty which then blinds a person to many other teachings of the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia. All right? Uh, and no doubt different Mashaikh had different criteria as to who they would uh, authorize and instruct to guide others. So just to take one example, Sheikh Rashaf Ali Tanvirim Latala he very creatively uh, designed two levels of authorization. One was what he called Mujaza Sohba, and that was one of his students who he would feel that, okay, this person has, you know, left the major sin, has spent enough time with him, has learned the path of zikr, is well-versed in Quran and Sunnah teachings and Talimat of Tazkiyah, that if others... Amatunas, ordinary believers, struggling believers, sinning believers, were to associate with that person, be in the company of that person, listen to the talks of that person, sometimes take mushawara, consult with that person, they would be able to benefit. So he would authorize such a person as mujaz, mujaz is sohma. And then there would be a second category who he called as mujaz bear, and that is that they have all of the above, plus he felt that they had associated with him longer, perhaps they fracked more, maybe, like in some cases, it was just a few days or a few weeks, maybe they had learned dhikr more, or maybe he felt that they were Allah you know, many of these mashayikh made istikhara as well, and they would seek Allah Subhanahu's guidance, and we will never know exactly all of the uh, processes and factors that went into their decision, but then he would authorize that person that people can benefit from him in all of the above ways, plus 
they can formally become their student on the path of tzedakiyah to be tutored according to the particular usul and methods of that tariq or of that uh, methodology of spirituality. Even then, it doesn't mean that that person is masum, is absolutely free of innocence of sin. It doesn't necessitate that that person is some waliya kamil, insani kamil, uh, never ever even forgets Allah for a single second. Uh, and it's not it's uh, not necessary to expect or demand uh, such an extreme standard or to have such extreme ideas or ideologies about one's teachers, right? No doubt you will find in the works of Imam Rabbani, Sheikh Mr. Hindiram Saleh, others who historically that when they were talking about or writing about that extreme endpoint, they did mention that there are people who can reach a level like that. So I hope we all understood that all of these things are realities, but they have to be kept in balance, equilibrium, etadal, perspective, uh, because, you know, and, and I, I have experienced, uh, you know, with many people, that when they get older, sometimes they get more intellectual maturity, and sometimes they even get more emotional maturity, but they continue to take an immature approach towards their deen. Or, with some people, that when they learn even exactly all the things that I shared with all of us tonight, when they learn these things, so they get a deeper understanding of the Sohof, they get a more balanced understanding of the Sohof, they remain emotionally immature in what sense that this deeper understanding, and this is a very important point I'm about to make, and this is the last point I'll make for this talk, that that deeper understanding, historical understanding, balanced understanding of the soul of Antarikat actually dampens their passion, actually makes them less passionate about their tazkiyah, and that's a problem, because their ikhlas and their sincerity of intention and purpose demands that they remain as passionate, as driven, as motivated, as inspired to do all of the ibadat and azkar and a'mal to become closer to Allah for the sake of earning Allah's pleasure, not for the sake of some extreme idealistic concept of the sawwaf, such that when that concept is corrected and brought into perspective, they lose their passion for deen. And what happened for a lot of people was that because they were emotionally immature and they're actually right, they are exactly like that initial person I described, that they have apathy, they're lazy in worship, and they need it to believe in these extremist ideals to be motivated to do worship, and that was the wrong motivation then. If you, there's plenty of extremes in our deen. It's called the extreme mercy of Allah Ta'ala, the extreme rahmah of Allah Ta'ala, the extreme maghfir of Allah Ta'ala, the extreme husn of Sayyidina Rasulullah and his sunnah and his seerah and his akhlaq and his batit and his zahir. All right? The extreme qurb that Allah Ta'ala can bestow on a person through ibadat, the extreme manner in which Allah Ta'ala reaches out when he tells us in Quran, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ that if you make zikr of me, Allah says in Quran, I Allah will make zikr of you. So there are plenty of things in our deen to motivate us there are plenty of absolute ideals in our deen to motivate us, and those are the things that should keep us inspired and passionate in our deen and in our tazkiyat, the soul, saluk, etc., while keeping a balanced perspective. 
give all of us tawfiq to understand the deen and especially this very delicate but yet important and critical path of tasqeen tariqat and may Allah Ta'ala protect us may Allah Ta'ala protect us from being misguided or from misguiding others and may Allah Ta'ala accept us for the hakikat and the reality of this path which is to become his true slave and his true lover and his beloved wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillah